Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers, it's time for the Summer Spectacular Sales Event at your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer or visit them online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro. This week, Amazon bringing 2,500 new jobs to Northeast Ohio, beating the heat with building design and technology, electric cars powered with water, and artificial intelligence links built right into your brain. Really? All this and more coming up. Big news from Amazon this week is they announced they're building a new 700,000-square-foot fulfillment center in Akron on the site of the old Rolling Acres Mall. Akron Mayor Dan Horrigan. It's been a pretty significantly blighted site over the last 10 or 12 years, and so the impact is, I think, extremely significant when you can create 1,500 full-time jobs of a minimum $15 an hour wage with comprehensive benefits on day one. And all of the associates are also going to have access to tuition reimbursement for in-demand jobs. And if you look at the impact, we're creating a job hub inside the city where people have better access to them. They don't have to travel so far to be able to get to that job. And bottom line is we're bringing jobs to where people live. But that's not all. Amazon will also hire 200 people to staff a fulfillment center on Gilcrest Road in Akron, plus 1,000 more at a new fulfillment center in the Toledo area. Last weekend marked 50 years since the launch of the Apollo 11 lunar mission when Neil Armstrong, Edwin Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins set off on an eight-day mission to the moon and back. And Akron-based Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company had a hand in its success with materials such as the flotation bags that helped keep the capsule upright when it returned and splashed down into the ocean. Now, 50 years later, Goodyear is once again headed into space, this time in the form of an experiment carried by a SpaceX rocket up to the International Space Station. Goodyear's manager of external science and technology, Derek Shuttleworth. Since we know that already that silica can form a different shape and size in space, we want to find out whether that form actually changes the way it reinforces rubber, beneficially or otherwise. down here on Earth, though, the big concern is global climate change, especially in light of heat waves that have pushed temperatures this summer into the triple digits all across the USA and Europe. In fact, the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies warns in a report to the United Nations that an increasing number of heat waves is having a detrimental effect on society. CBS News foreign affairs analyst Pamela Falk. Calling heat waves the silent killers of climate change the president of the Red Cross said the harm they cause is both predictable and preventable. The report includes recommendations for urban planning to help mitigate the damage from heat waves, from planting roofs with vegetation to using white or light colors for pavement. 
With that in mind, we talked to Dr. Adil Sharak Eldon, who is an associate professor of architecture at Kent State University, about ways to use technology and design to help us beat the heat. We need to start designing buildings that have better insulation against the outside environment, maybe lighter colors, smaller windows, because windows are usually the problem areas in heating and cooling. We need to start thinking about shading the windows using landscape, preferably. If we can do that with canopies, if we can do that, we can use slightly better window materials and double glazing and some of the more exotic gases that we can put in between the glass to prevent heat flow. So there are multiple ways that we can address the heat side of things. The radiation side, we can use lighter color materials so it reflects more. We can use vegetation in the landscape to prevent the reflected light from coming inside the buildings. We use more reflective materials in our insulation and the roofs. We use multiple ways to reduce the influx of solar radiation into the building. We can also, through design, choose to orient the building to maximize the exposure to the south because the south sun is at its highest so the angle of incidence will be at the the highest so we can actually use it with shading devices to prevent the heat from coming in. So while I get what you're saying about the need for smaller windows, I'm wondering if you don't think people might resist that because they won't be getting in as much sunlight both for themselves and their plants. Daylight does not mean that we have the same amount of light outside and inside. It means that we have to have adequate amount of light inside without using electric energy. If we know how to design for daylight, for the right aperture, light, right location, right sizes, right areas, we would be able to get the adequate daylight for plants, for our activities and our health without the practice of just allowing as much light as possible because the light comes with a penalty of heat gain. So we need to learn to optimize. It's like being in a car. We don't like to to stay in a car because of the excessive heat that builds them very quickly inside. And Dr. Sharak Eldon also talked about some modifications that can help keep the house cool that don't rely on air conditioning. So I would advise that we start going back and look at natural ventilation and ventilation system in our houses so we can reduce our reliance on energy so we don't spend more energy except when it's extremely hot and humid but we can use the building natural ways of getting rid of heat in the past homes had whole house fans these are fans put on the roof or close to the roof at highest possible location and they pull all the hot air from building from the house and provide cooler less humid air from the outside And here's some more hot news. Two major automakers are teaming up to develop electric and self-driving technology. Jeff Colvin has more. Volkswagen and Ford announced recently they'll cooperate on the two most important technologies in the car business, electric propulsion and autonomy. It's a sign of how profoundly the industry is being disrupted that even Volkswagen, the world's largest automaker, feels it can't go it alone. Ford seems to be ahead in autonomy with a major investment in Argo 
Vigo AI, a company that develops self-driving technology. VW will make an equal investment in the company, hoping to catch up with Alphabet's Waymo unit and the cruise unit of General Motors. But Volkswagen seems to be ahead of Ford in electric technology. Under this deal, Ford will build at least one mass-market battery car in Europe based on VW's platform. Ford and VW cooperating? As technology disrupts the car industry, the unthinkable is becoming necessary. I'm Jeff Colvin. Meanwhile, we have word about a new way to power electric cars. Jim Shenevy reports. Scientists say they've developed a new method for powering electric cars that successfully balances zero emission standards while lowering costs. And it's safe. Now, that word is key because we're talking hydrogen, an explosive gas. Using water, carbon dioxide, and cobalt, this new method produces hydrogen on demand, so no storage of that volatile gas is required. Hydrogen is used in fuel cells where it combines with oxygen from the air to produce electricity at up to 85% efficiency with nothing in the exhaust but water vapor. What's more, the process is cheap. Current methods for producing hydrogen cost about three times as much as natural gas per unit of energy produced. Hydrogen fuel cell technology has also advanced so that the system with batteries can easily fit in a family car. Previously, the use of hydrogen fuel cells was limited to buses and other large vehicles. And that's for your information. I'm Jim Shenevy, CBS News. Also today, I often joke with my friends whenever I lose track of my phone, which, you know, of course, happens all the time. One of these days, they're just going to have to start implanting mobile devices directly into our heads. But see, when I say it, it's a joke. When Elon Musk says it, it's an actual thing. And what his latest thing is called is Neuralink. Neuralink is a company which aims to connect people's brains to artificial intelligence technology. He's hoping to do this by implanting small threads into the brain. Musk explained his objective and how it works at a conference in San Francisco where he talked about the importance of developing artificial intelligence technology. I've said a lot about AI over the years, but I think even in a benign AI scenario, we will be left behind. But I think with um, a high bandwidth brain machine interface, I think we can actually go along for the ride and we can effectively have the option of merging with AI. I think this is extremely important. There's very tiny threads that are about a tenth, roughly, of the cross-sectional area of a, of a human hair. So they're extremely tiny threads. In fact, the, the threads that uh, we, we have, like I said, even in version one, are, are about the same size as a neuron. And that's it for now. See you next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers, it's time for the Summer Spectacular Sales Event at your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer or visit them online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Tune in next week for more tech news and listen online at wakr.net.